Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Britt. Uh, that was a little corny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I'm not judging you, though. I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate you not judging me. Um, I was trying to think of a clever way to introduce... What's up? No, I'm just listening. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry about that. So I was trying to, I was trying to think of a clever way to introduce my podcast or welcome you guys to my podcast i haven't quite figured that out just yet but um just bear with me if you have any ideas if you can spit any flows let me know i don't know if that ode to jay-z was uh the best route but you know i'm not judging you know, i love you i'm here Aww, for you i love you too i love you too okay well actually let me just hop right into it i guess let me hop right into it Introduce myself. Uh, my name is Brittany. Um, I go by Miss B. Monet. Let me try that again. My name is Brittany. I go by Miss B. Monet on social media. Um, and I decided to start a podcast. I was like, why the hell not? I know that. <laughs> that was horrible. I just I decided to. I decided to start a podcast. Maybe I'm just nervous. I don't know. Um, I decided to start a podcast because I feel like there is somebody out there that's like, yo, I need that information that she is dropping. Or, you know, just looking to tell my story, just looking to pave the way for the next person who has a story to share. Um, I, I see think. what you did there. Pave the way. No, yeah, no, I, I don't get it. I don't right. get it. When you pave a road, you're creating a way for something. Okay. Yes, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's I guess that's the, just how the saying goes. I was like, that's how the saying goes, babe. Okay. okay. So, um, well, so. I'm Darren, by the way. I'm I was like, yeah, I was going to. I was going to go ahead and introduce you and give me a chance. Okay. All right. So, um, I haven't quite figured out if this is going to be like a full collab with podcasts, but uh, for my first episode, I have my Bay Boo. The homie, my sidekick, my road dog, you know, my foot massager. You gonna introduce yourself? Yo, people, this is Darren, you know, aka Big D. <laughs> Who calls you that? AKA Mr. Silk Rag. That's a silk do rag, if you didn't know. You always gotta keep them waves on fleek. You feel me? Uh, I'm out here with my girl. And, you know, just supporting her through her podcast, Doug Dizzle. You know, I'm out here doing everything in the background and, you know, just being here for support and whatnot. So, show my page some love. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Is this a promotion? What is this? (laughs) So, you know, just, you know, show my girl some love. She's out here, you know, stepping out. Thanks, babe. Doing doing her own Doug Dizzle. You know, we out here being real wavy with it. You feel me? Vibes. Only positive vibes. Don't come over here in the comments with all that, you know, that ratchet stuff. I don't think there's a stuff. comment section on podcasts, but I'll Listen. let you do your thing, boo. Listen. People rate them, though. You're People right. People do rate them. Thank you. You know what? Yes. I knew I kept you around for something. It's for the brains. Listen. I'm here. Yeah, the brain. Okay. Um, Pinky and the brain? Whatever. All right. <laughs> so, um... I don't have a name for my podcast. Podcast. Ah! I don't have a name for my podcast yet. But by the time you listen to this, hopefully, I have something um, that I've I've conjured up in my my goblet. I'm a witch. 
I don't know. I was okay. about to say, like, okay, uh, <laughs> okay. But no. Harry Potter. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, I don't have a podcast name yet, but I do know the direction that I want to go. Um, my podcast is going to be all about the things that are left unsaid when it comes to wellness, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to things that uh, we go through in our 20s. Maybe early 30s for some people, but um, me, I'm only 28, so I haven't made it to my 30s yet. But, um, she's old, ain't she? You can get out. Alright. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I just want to be able to help somebody. And if sharing my story or sharing the stuff others, um, if sharing my story or sharing the story of others helps at least one person, then I have made it in life. So I guess without further ado, I'm so proud. Of you her. need a tissue. I'm so proud of her. Okay, all right. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> I'm so proud. How long is? It? Oh yeah, we gotta get going. Yeah. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into the topic of discussion. Um, now my first, this first pod- podcast is gonna be a little uncomfortable, I guess, uh, because of the topic that was sitting or that has been sitting so heavily on my mind and that is uh dealing with the loss of a parent or a loved one or a guardian or somebody who has played a vital role in um one's life and so I guess I'll start it off with um baby you want to go first or you want me to go first no, go why first, are you playing for Breeze put it down this smells good thank you this is your show okay so you gotta you know you gotta lead the pack you feel me I am the first follower okay so um and I asked for permission but you're picking up all the background noise you sniffing for Breeze it's not, go, you gotta go, you gotta okay. go. Okay, okay. So, um, the first topic of discussion, again, is dealing with the loss of a parent. And just to share um, my personal story, um, for those of you who may or may not know, um, I lost my mother when I was nine years old. It actually sounds kind of weird when I say I, like, I lost my mother. Like It's like, let me go find her somewhere. Um, so, I guess to rephrase that... Um, my mother passed away when I was nine years old. So that was, ooh, wow, 19 years ago. And it seems so long ago. But um, what I'll tell you is that sometimes that feeling just seems like it's still all too fresh. And so um, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen my post every now and then where I um, talk about like sarcoidosis. And what sarcoidosis is, is it's a disease that basically attacks um, a particular part of your body. In my mother's case, it was her lungs. Um, and let me see. Let me see if I can find a like an actual definition of what it is. Okay. So according to Google, it says... Sarcoidosis is the growth of tiny collections of inflammatory cells in different parts of the body. Uh, And it's rare. There are fewer than 200,000 U.S. cases per year. Um, Treatment can help, but this condition can't be cured. Um, It requires a medical diagnosis. It can last for years or it can be lifelong. So, um, again, when it came to my mom, she got it in her lungs and... 
the crazy thing is I don't really know when she became sick. Um, I felt like it was around when I was like six or seven because I started to notice that um, she was going to the doctor more often, I guess. But it didn't really hit me until I actually saw her with oxygen. Because here it was, um, and again, it was many years ago, but here it was, I had my mom that was like thriving, working to provide for me as a single mom. Um, and, you know, at, from what I saw, we were living our best lives. Um, but I can't imagine that like, I can only imagine, I guess, that going through her mind once she found out that she was sick was just making sure that I was good for whatever those future steps were to come. Um, and so we we moved in with uh, my Aunt Cheryl, who happened to be like my legal guardian, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, and I found out it was because like my mom needed help um, because she was growing sicker by the minute and it was me and her. Um, part of my family who we lived with before, uh, they moved to Korea because my um, my family was in the military. And so it became my Aunt Cheryl kind of just making sure that my mom was good and they, they were like thick as thieves growing up. So... Um, I guess my aunt Cheryl was like, yeah, you know, this is my sister. I'm going to hold her down. So anyway, um, to make a long story short, um, from about, I remember like from the ages of seven to nine, there were a lot of like doctor visits, um, which led to my mom ultimately being on a lung transplant list. And I don't know what it's like to have to wait for an organ that could save my life. But I imagine that um, as you're growing- yeah, yeah, stressful. And then as you're growing sicker by the minute, just trying to figure out what to do, what's going to pan out. And then you have this little girl who is your world and you're just trying to figure out what's going to happen should the worst reveal itself. And so she passed away from when I was nine. Um... It didn't affect me the way that it should have. And I don't know what I mean by that because grief strikes everyone differently. But um, I remember legit being at her funeral and everybody told me that, you know, oh, like, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, are you okay? And it's one of those things where as you're nine, you don't really understand the concept of death. Like... If that is your first experience with death, you might understand that somebody has gone somewhere. And I grew up in the church, so in my case, my mom hadn't gone to heaven. But it didn't hit me at that time that I knew I wasn't going to see her because that's what everybody was telling me. But it didn't hit me until I got older that it was like, yo, she's really not coming back. And I guess let me rewind a little bit here because... um, I was a very, I was spoiled rotten as a kid. Like I was spoiled rotten. Whatever I wanted for the most part, my mom provided for me. Like it was even so bad to the point where I got, I think I got in trouble for something and 
she was trying to like spank me and I was like in the bathroom. I had just got out of the bathtub and I was like, so, you know, I had like that fresh, like wet skin oh, that if like, yeah. So if it was like a shoe or uh, a belt or a, that's what are those things? Called? Things, like yeah, a, a thousand, hanger or whatever it is. Like it's gonna be a thousand times worse. A thousand, yeah, a thousand yeah. stunks. And my mom was so sick that she wasn't able to do it, but she was upset with me because I had done something that was just like, "Yo, you need to spank him for this." Because you know, back then kids were spanked, and you know they were okay when they grew up, or I'm okay when I grew up, or um. I guess that's how I phrase this. Anyway, so she got my aunt to spank me. But um, anyway, I say that because, like, my my mom, she wanted to make sure that I was raised properly, but still somewhere down the line, she saw a fit to, like, spoil me rotten. And I don't, I won't say that I took advantage of that, but I was a kid. Like, sure, I want this. If you're going to buy it, sure. But I, it, it, it got to the point where the night before she actually passed away, um, and I don't know if I just had like an eerie feeling about it, but she had been hospitalized. Um, she was having trouble breathing, and um, ultimately she passed away from like having a heart attack because her heart was working too fast to make sure that her lungs were uh, functioning properly or at least functioning functioning well enough for her to wait while she was on this like transplant list um and so the night that that all happened like she passed away the next morning but the night that that all happened uh, my aunt took me to visit her and I was just like so adamant on staying like I was like I have to stay I don't want to go to school I'm like kicking and screaming like I don't want to go home I don't want to go home with you I'm pretty sure I said like everything that could come to mind and at the end of the day it was like you know you have to go to school um Aunt Cheryl told me that my mom told me that and I don't know if it was just a feeling that I knew something was about to transpire or maybe it was just like something doesn't feel right this time that I'm leaving the hospital um but I went home got ready for school or, or got ready to go to school the next day like got ready for bed and when I woke up I remember, I think I had an alarm clock, or maybe I'm just making this up, but I think I had an alarm clock, and I looked over, and I'm like, eh, I was supposed to be at school already. Like, what's going on? And I remember sitting up in the bed, and Aunt Cheryl coming in, and she just, like, broke the news to me that uh, my mom had died. And it was one of those things where, like, I just burst out into tears, because... Yeah. I knew what I knew what death was. I knew what it was when like my turtle died. I knew what it was when my fish, my goldfish that I got from like the carnival would die. Like I I had experienced sadness in such a way. And even uh, my grandfather, he passed away um, when I was six. So I knew what it was to experience death, but I don't think I could quite grasp that concept of losing like my favorite person like the most important person to me in the world and I remember I cried and I cried and I cried and while in the midst of my crying I remember that I had a dream the night before that it was like a dream that like my mom was saying bye and I don't know if it was like God like 
This is me easing you into this 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 new chapter in your life that you're about to go on. Because like being nine, having a dream like that, waking up, not really recalling the dream initially, but then being like, oh shoot, like something something is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I cried, but I don't think I really felt that complete like I was sad but I wasn't distraught yet I didn't experience like like, like yeah it didn't hit me yet and even even when we went to like even when we had the funeral it didn't hit me yet um because you know they do the whole Monica leaves behind her sister um her daughter blah blah blah. still didn't hit me because even in the like the recession is that what it's called what's it called what's the thing that happens after the after food the funeral, after. yes. When you when you, you when you gather, chicken. you you laugh because you talk about the good times with that person. Yeah. Um, even during that, I remember chilling with my little cousin, and we were just kicking it and having a good old time. And then yeah. we all went our separate ways um, from that point on. And I just remember like <laughs> what a little chunk tongue chewing. <laughs> I just remember. Like, going back to school, because I had been out of school for, like, a week or two. Like, something, some extended period of time. And I remember going back to school, and everybody was like, oh. Like, my teacher made it a point to be like, oh, Brittany's mom died, so be sensitive. And I'm like, yo, what's the big deal? Like, it didn't hit me at that time. And, yeah. So, that's that's the story on how my mom passed away. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, because... We got to hear your story. And then from there, I guess we'll kind of talk about like how things have changed or how we made it to the ages, mid 20s, late 20s that we are now. Okay. All right. Um, oh, yeah. This is, this is Darren again. Um, well, you know, myself, I had an experience with loss of a parent. When I was 20, my padre, Dwight Robinson Sr., passed away from lung cancer. Yes, it was a definitely a, a dark time in my life. Uh, that whole, I guess, two years that I've known. Um, graduated from high school, found out that he had cancer like immediately after my graduation. Gave him like an expected, you know, typically we had the, the, I think it was stage three, if I'm not mistaken at the time. But typically we have like a certain stage of lung cancer. Like it, it's, it's so much they'll be able to do, especially if it's, I think it's metastasized, I think that's what they call it. Metastasized? Yeah. That when it's like really, really big or? Yeah, well, like, when, like when it's set in, essentially. Like it's set in and there's so much they can do. Even if they take out the, the, the organ or whatever, it's like it's there. Mm. Like it's passed along in your body and it's in your blood. So they had already given him a, you know, a life expectancy. So, you know, at that point, it's just like, okay, cool. For, you know, everybody in my family... Well, which, well, to start off, this this wasn't my first bout with cancer within my family. My father had cancer two times previously, in which one he almost passed away, but he survived. And then my brother also had lymphoma. So for me, it was like, okay, I've seen this before. Uh, what's going to happen next? You know, like it, I was kind of like, I don't want to say numb to it. I, I kind of already... I'd already seen how it flows. So, forget my dad, like, the, the pretty much, like, his, his citizen, they say he, he, he will have, like, at least, like, three or five years. Um, but two years later, in 2011, it was actually Friday, March the 13th. I remember I got the call. It was, like, 
like eight twenty something. Eight like it was like eight twenty three, eight twenty four maybe in the morning. And they were like, Yeah, you need to get home. And yeah, passed away from cancer. Now Where were you when you got the call? Oh, I was in school. I was in Baltimore, Morgan State. And it's crazy because I was hanging out with my friends the night before, similar to what you experienced. Like, I, I already had, like, a, a crazy feeling that something was going to happen. Because I remember, I think the, it was that same night that I had the last conversation that I ever had with my dad. And that conversation was like, oh, my gosh. That's, it, it made me, like, break down crying. I was like... I was a mess. But, like, I knew something was, was, like, that, like, that was it after that. Like, the last conversation we had, literally the only thing he told me was, I love my baby. Which, I was the youngest, I was a baby. And that was, like, that was it. So, but, um, after that, like, I knew something was wrong. I was like, alright, yeah, this is, like, I couldn't focus on anything that me and my friends were talking about. Like, I literally was just staring in the sky the whole time. Like, I couldn't, I didn't look anywhere else. Like, literally, my head was just up. I was like, all right. Like, I could feel it in my spirit that it was like, this was it. Are like, you? Huh? I was, okay, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, and which was next morning, get the call, need to come home. Um, from what I understand, my dad passed around at around 9 o'clock. Baltimore is about an hour away from where I actually lived. So, on the ride down there. Me and my brother, we had like a moment. It was actually which is something that's really weird. This is real personal, but you know, my family, the the men in our family, we have a really hard time expressing ourselves emotionally to each other, and not just to each other, but to everybody. It's it's, it's something that's been a, something that's plagued my family for years. Like we all have a hard time just expressing ourselves emotionally. So in the moment in which my brother came to get me. It was the first time that I had ever seen him cry as like a grown man. And it was the first time that we actually cried and held each other. Was this Daniel or was this Dwight? Dwight. Dwight came and got me. Literally, he walked into my dorm room. He grabbed me, grabbed him, and we just hugged each other. Um, well, then, of course, get home. Dad's gone. Boom. Life goes on. Um... Well, what I can honestly say in my experience, I know our our experiences differ because we're in two separate points in our lives. You know, um, I know you were you were a lot younger, and it was like you were you were like in you probably hadn't you didn't have the grasp of those concepts. But like, okay, like you you understood the concepts, but you're still like, okay, I'm like I'm still enjoying life. Like she's here having fun um whereas when I was like like maybe in my 20s it was like all right I kind of I already had like I had already known that it was going to happen like at some point Mm -hmm. because it was like it it just it was what it was you know what I mean there was nothing that they could do even if they did a transplant it was nothing that they could do my father was a smoker for years so it's kind of something that was like unfortunately brought upon himself but you know, it was, it was, you know, it was, a, it was, I won't say a lost cause, but it was inevitable. Um, yeah, so, but oddly, like, I, I think it was, it, it, it still hit me, but it was like the process, I, I still had time to actually process that it was going to happen. 
You know what I mean? Like leading up to it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like it was, it, it wasn't like I woke up to find out my dad got in a car crash and I never had a chance to actually sit down and talk to him and be like, yo, what's good? Mm-hmm. Like through like the two years in which like proceeded to his death, like I actually had an opportunity to like open up and figure out who my dad was because again, like he wasn't a very vocal or emotional or open person because he never had the opportunity to be. He never had his father and his mother isn't the most open person to talk to. But regardless, um, I, I kind of had a, I don't want to say I had a good, but I kind of had the, the, the blessing to be able to actually talk down and like sit down and actually speak to him about his life a little bit before he passed away. So from for that, I'm really thankful. I still feel like there was a, a big gap of things that was missing in that time, but regardless. Um, yeah, so had cancer passed away. Whoop and whomp, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that both of our parents suffered from things that like dealt with their lungs. So when you think about it, like, you and I, like, when we go to the gym and I have trouble breathing because I've just been out of shape, haven't done anything in a while, and it's, like, something that I get over, you know, maybe take a couple of drinks of sips of water, uh, breathe for a couple of seconds, and then I attempt, again, attempt <laughs> to get right back into the routine. Um, but when you think about, like, our parents and what they went through when it when it shifted from okay you're sick to okay now you're really sick now you need something to help you breathe and for me the last resort was or for my mother the last resort was like okay we need to get you a new set of lungs so that you can continue to live life um with normal quality yeah and when you think about that um I guess it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, or I guess what my question is, is, um, did you see like your father being sick? Like, was it him shutting down over time or was it like my mother who worked and worked and worked until she got to the point where it was like, shoot, I can't work anymore because my body is unwilling to work with me for me to be able to get up and go out of the door each day. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was a deterioration stage. Like, like, not a deterioration stage, it was deterioration, deterioration phase. Like, essentially, within the first year, year and a half, my father was still, like, my normal dad. Like, you know, still up and running, doing this thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then, after that year, he kind of, like, he was forced to retire. Like, he was forced to retire because he already knew, like things were going to go south quickly. He wouldn't be able to consistently work. Mm-hmm. And he had to make sure that me, my brothers, and my mom would be straight Like after he passed because he worked for the government and they get it for government benefits. They still pay out your retirement to mm-hmm. your significant other, your, you know, your wife and your kids. Um, so he just, you know, he prepared himself for that. And, and it wasn't until like the second half of his last year of his life where it was 
not even the second half, because it was the relatively lived half of the year. The beginning of 2011, because we, we had a huge birthday party for him in 2010, the end of 2010. And he was still like normal. He was still up. He was still going. He was going through his chemo. His chemo seemed to be working. Like it was, in, in those who don't know, chemotherapy they do is essentially they draw as much blood as possible to get rid of those, I think it was the bad T-cells, if I'm not mistaken, it is, it's the T-cells. I can't remember, I used to do a bunch of research on it. But essentially they, they try to draw out those bad cells by withdrawing the blood and, and, and like wrenching it essentially. Mm-hmm. And then like putting back in it. But, um... So, from the beginning of 2011, that was when my father really started to, like, actually physically deteriorate. Like, we already, his lungs were already deteriorating previously, but he didn't need oxygen or anything like that yet. He was still managing, still mobile. But, no, beginning of 2011, that's when everything just took a downturn and, you know, he started to need oxygen. He started to lose weight at a rapid pace because he wasn't eating anymore. Um, I guess the cancer was attacking his body where he didn't want to eat, and our father was an eater. And those who know me know that I can eat. <laughs> plates on plates on plates. plates. And I got it from my father. My father, he could eat like five or six plates, have like three beers, sit down in the basement, and belch himself to sleep. But 2011, because he couldn't eat anymore, stop eating, um, and then you can physically see it. Um, I knew, I think it, it really set in for me that it wasn't getting any better, probably mid-2011, because dad in May, so probably like March, because I was still in school, uh, but I was back and forth home constantly because I didn't want to, my parents, my, my, my parents, my, my, well, my dad and my mom, they didn't want me to come back home, they didn't want me to have to fully go through and and live that, but it, it didn't stop me from coming home. I would be home consistently. And just to spend as much time as I possibly could, like I came home and I, I set it up where, oh, we've talked for hours. Uh, I set it up where, you know, me and my brothers would come over and watch, you know, the, the tournament with them. My dad was a big sports fan. Like we, like, we tried to set it up, get all the food and stuff that we could, and then and we just, like, laugh and enjoy it with them. And, but I think the moment that it really like set in for me was when I came home and I actually gave my dad a bath. I had to physically wash my father. Wow. Yeah. And that was like the most touching moment for me. I, I literally sat there and I, I gave him a bath. Yeah. yeah. It was a rough moment. But after that, you know, went back to school, tried to see like the positive side of things. And then, you know, it happens. Pass away. It's crazy because um, you you spoke about how like it transpired over. I mean, it was a short amount of time. Um, must have felt like forever, but it was like a short amount of time. Or as I felt like, when my when my mom got sick, it seemed like it happened like instantly. instantly yeah. Like I guess in my nine year old body, I'm so or nine year old mind, I'm so out of touch with reality because I was still a kid. Like yeah. I wasn't worried about this, that, or other. I'm like, okay, so when can I get some Skittles or 
when can we go shopping or when can we go to the movies or, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm doing kid things. I wasn't, I don't think I was prepared when she actually passed away um, because in my head, this is my mom. She's invincible. She's yeah. superwoman. Like, yes, she has sarcoid. Yes, she pushes around an oxygen tank, but she is still going. Like, I see her you know, pick me up from the bus stop or drop me off at school or being active into my li- in my life until she wasn't. And it seemed like it was, it seemed like um, it was the days where she would go to work, she'd be there for like long hours, come home and we eat popcorn together or we drink Pepsi together because she drank Pepsi like I drink Starbucks. Like she drank Pepsi like you I should know, be drinking. Drink Starbucks. <laughs> like I should be drinking water. Um, she drank Pepsi all the time. Sorry, and I don't understand. I didn't say anything to you, Siri. Sorry, my HomePod interrupted. Um, but to see my mom go from like being the superwoman or superwoman in my eyes to it seemed like it happened overnight. And realistically, I know it didn't. I know it was something where she, yeah, she was diagnosed. It was probably one of those situations where, okay, you're sick, but here are our options. And then it got to the point where you need, you need to fix your body. Like you need, you need a lung, you need something that is going to keep you moving. Um, It's kind of like, hmm. Uh so it's kind of crazy how, like, you know, growing up and your child, you you always think of your parents as, like, invincible. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nothing happened to them. Like, I thought, like, the same way you thought your dear mom was invincible, I was like, yeah, my dad was invincible, man. Yeah. You know? It's kind of crazy. Like, I think, I don't know if, like, every kid has that feeling. Or every kid that has their parents has that feeling. But, yeah, man. It's like, I don't know, it's like a complex. I don't know, it's like, because your parents always try to do everything possible to keep you from... Having having to go through mm-hmm. those real life experiences, yeah. Which honestly, it's just my opinion. That's honestly, that's not the. I don't feel like that's the best route to take it because in life things happen. Very true. You know, and honestly, you have to prepare your children like mentally. To know, like, okay, this is what happens in life, you know? It is a cycle to life. Yeah. And and it's sad that, you know, not a lot of people can really come to terms with that until something happens. Mm-hmm. You know? And at nine, that's not something, that's not like a concept that you like want to be like, all right, this is what's going to happen. Of course yeah. not. That's not... And it's, it's, I'm sorry to this day that you ever had to go through that, you know? I wish I got to meet your mother. And I could probably see where a lot of a lot of your different traits come from. But, I mean, man, it, it's, it's definitely not the best experience in the world, but it's, to an, ex, to an extent, it's necessary for us to grow. Yeah. I mean, into the in my opinion, no, I'm, over here, I'm over here whispering. Yeah. In my opinion, it's necessary for us to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess it's up to us as people how we take those experiences and 
develop into our adult lives. Yeah. What do you think? It's a tough one. Because when you talk about, like, you have to go through things. So we'll come back to that because I have a question. Yeah. Um, so you knew your dad was dying, and it sucks to, like, say it like that, but you knew there was going to become a time where he, like, we all have expiration dates, but his expiration date was coming quicker. And at the time, I didn't really know that she was dying as quick as she was, because I thought that it was going to be like, oh, you know, when you get a, when you get like a boo-boo, like it it hurts, it might get worse if you pick at it, but eventually it's going to heal. Like I thought the same thing, like she's going to go through this, she's going to get a new lung, and then we're going to be back to, you know, going to see the movies together or uh, going to do this and the other. But, and I'm pretty sure this is normal, and which is why I'm going to ask this, but has there ever been a moment, whether it lasted right after he passed away or whether it's every now and then, but ever, has there ever been a moment where you... Because I know we both believe in God. Yeah. So has there ever been a moment where you're like, yo, like, why God? Why my father? Or why now? Or why not? Like, you know, when parents are supposed to die, when, like, we don't ever want our parents to die, but when they're, like, older and we're, like, 80 and we're like, oh, they've completely lived their life and it's easier to cope with the fact that they have just reached their lifespan. Like, have you ever had that moment where you've questioned, like, um, and honestly, and, and it's sad to say, but honestly, my dad wasn't too good to himself. Like, he didn't treat his body well. He was an avid smoker. He used to go through a pack of Newports probably a day. And then he, he used to drink his six packs every day after work. So, like, my dad didn't really take care of his body well. He didn't exercise. Like, it was... You can see, like, where it came from. You know what I mean? And it it, it kind of sucked. Because it's like, even as a kid, and in and, and the relationship that we had, because we weren't very vocal people, it was kind of hard for me to speak up and be like, Dad, you sure you want to, like, do this? Like, like... Like drinking and smoking and... Drinking and smoking. Things that we learned in meat. school are, like... Yeah, like, are you sure? Bad for you. Like, yeah. Like, uh, I want you to be around and be able to, like, you know see my kids and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even to this day, I wish my 21st birthday, I got to take half a beer for my dad. That's what I wanted to do for my 21st birthday. Was do what? Just drink a beer with my dad. That was it. Something basic. Like, sit down in the basement, watch what I was on TV. But, you know, stuff like that didn't get to happen. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I never, never once questioned my religion or my faith over that. Um, because I think at that point in my life, I had already come to terms with just understanding, like, yo, this is, this is how life works. You know, because where I'm from, you know, I lost a lot of people that I was really cool with. I got friends that died when I was younger. I got shot when I was younger. Not a lot of people. Like, that were, like, too, too close to me. But I knew a lot of people that had, had died or whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so the concept of death wasn't really... It wasn't foreign to me. It was just, it never gotten that close. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's not even close to home. That is home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but, and, you know, I, I, I maintain the strong relationship to God. Honestly, I feel like God is the reason why I made it through the whole period after my dad had died. Because, boy, did I go through. I definitely did go through. Especially being in my 20s and still trying to figure out life and not knowing what direction to go. It was rough. It was surely rough. What about you? Uh, for me, initially, I didn't question, like, God. Like, initially, I mean, at that age, I was at the, the age where I was just being, like, dragged to church because it is a thing that you do on Sunday mornings. We're going to church. We're going to get up, get dressed, go to church, come home, finish the rest of our day. Um, so I didn't really have a, an established connection, like, in my faith with God, like, any of that at that age. I just knew that... I had to go in church, had to go to church on Sundays, had to say my prayers at night, had to say my grace and had to go sit in funerals of sometimes people I didn't even know. Um, And it wasn't at that time that I questioned it. But I mean, I'll be real and say that even (laughs) most recently, which you were there for that, um, when I had like that breakdown and I just was crying uncontrollably. Um, and it, it comes every once in a blue moon or every once in a, I don't know, chartreuse moon, just like a, a weird color that you would never see. Like every once in a while, sometimes those negative thoughts creep in where it's like, why did it have to be like my mom? Or why did it have to be then? Yeah. And I know that it sounds, I feel guilty because that, that sounds like a very selfish thing to say. Is because if my mom were alive to this day, and let's just say she got that lung transplant, there's a chance that she would be thriving and back to her old self. There's also the chance that that might be something that she has to battle or that the sarcoid could have spread it to like a different part of her body and she would still be suffering. And so part of me is like, I, I wouldn't, I am thankful that I had those nine years because all of they were short when you're looking, when you're talking about like age, time-wise, yeah. time-wise, those were the best nine years of my life. And I couldn't even remember, you know, three and before or four and before because I was like a baby and a toddler. Um, but every now and then sometimes that that thought creeps in where it's like yo did you really have to take my mom or did you really have to take her when I was such a young age could you have waited until I like made it into my teenage years so that I could learn more from her or that I could I could be able to bond with her but then I felt like it happened at the perfect moment to where I got I got to know my mom well enough to know that she was like an amazing person Mm -hmm. that she had. I got to hear her voice like she had, in my opinion, the best voice ever. Like when we're talking about like Whitney and we're talking about like, I don't know, Anita Baker and all those like, yes, they are amazing women. But when it came to my mom, like you could not tell me that she didn't have the perfect voice. And... I still have my uh, dad's voicemail saved to the day. 
I still listen to him like yeah periodically and I go back and be like oh yeah that's the nigga sound like and then, well part of my language but that's the man sound like yeah and I look at it and I'm like dang I actually sound just like him excuse me I don't know if I ever let you listen to him you gotta let me listen to him yes. maybe we if you're up to it maybe we can play it here yeah it, it was it, it's, it's pretty crazy like it had the deepest not even really raspy it was just deep like, like listen to your mother you probably sound like that when you get like yeah, give yourself about like 15 years it's crazy like I hear and the, and the crazy thing is I think for me like when I went the, the, the hardest part of the whole process for me honestly it wasn't even the it wasn't even the funeral it wasn't going through all that the hardest part for me was the two years afterwards because that's when it really started to settle in. Like, after all the hype is dead and then everybody, like, you know, gets back to their reality and they're doing their own thing, that's when it really sets in. Wait, we're going to touch on that. Because okay. I have a question for that as well that we'll touch on. Okay. Um, going back to my point just for a second, and then we're going to hop right into that. Um, but, yeah, I every now and then I find myself, like, Brittany, get it together. Stop thinking these thoughts because I legit had an amazing nine years. And when I think about it, when I think about how grateful I am, I think about how there are some kids that have never even met their parents. How there are some kids that are adopted or that were left on the street or their parents died like in labor, like giving birth. Like there are so many different ways that my life could have played but God saw it fit to bring my mother home with him when I was nine. And I got just enough to know what it is to be nurturing, to know what it is to be caring, to know what it is to be a strong, black, independent woman. Um, I got all of that in that those short years and... And moving back to what you said about, like, how did it affect you? How has it affected you since he passed away? Like, I, I know it ain't easy for either of us, but, like, when you think about, and I'm going to kind of make it general here, but when you think about how you, like, going from school to, like, when you think about all the things that affect, that you do in your life as far as, like, school, basketball, working relationships just being yourself in general how did or how has how has losing your father at the age that you did affected who you are today or like what process did you go through with changes my life yes um for me honestly it sounds crazy but it's made my life better for multiple reasons. Um, because, A, kind of before my dad died, I was kind of like walking around all life aimlessly. I didn't really have a goal. I didn't really have ambitions. And I didn't really understand those concepts. I just kind of like always knew like my family, mom, my dad, my brothers. And I just thought things just happened. You know what I mean? I didn't know. So, I mean, you know, I think going through and really 
and experiencing that with my dad, it was kind of like a rude awakening to like the real world. Like, yo, this happens. Like, there is a process that you have to go through in life. Like, there, there's really things that you have to do. You have to, you have to know who you are as a person. Right? Going through that, going through losing my father really taught me who I was. Because before then, I didn't know who I was. Like, I was just like, you know, aimlessly walking around. I had friends, but I was making a lot of decisions based off of what they wanted to do, not necessarily what I wanted to do, and who I, and based off of who I was. So after doing that, I, I after losing what well, after, after doing that, after losing my dad, I kind of like sat back and and analyzed who I was and what I was doing with my life, and where I wanted to go. Now it took me a couple of years to get there. I was gonna. I was waiting for the part where you said yeah. that it's like two years were rough. It took me a couple of years to get there, but I mean, everything that I went through in between kind of like built up to. That, that coming to truth moment where it's like, oh, okay, you really have to, you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. Because at the end of the day, the world's going to keep moving. It's going to, it's not going to stop. Nobody's going to stop for you. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. You have to make something to create something on your own. Um, so, but to talk about the two years that I went through pretty much uh, into 2011 into 2013, Pretty rough. Uh, started smoking and drinking a lot. Can you say that one more time? Oh. <laughs> Pretty rough. Uh, started to do a lot of smoking and drinking. I was literally drinking every day. I was smoking every day. And I went from smoking weed to actually smoking like cigarettes, black scapones. I was doing all that shit, all that stuff that I swore to myself that I wouldn't do after experiencing what my father was going through. So, you know, picked up all those bad habits, got real depressed, uh, and it was it was a pretty bad couple of years, you know. I got really, really depressed, but I, and I didn't really feel like I had anybody I could talk to about it, including my mother, because honestly, I felt like, not because I didn't feel like I can go to her, I, I felt like my mother had so much on her plate already, I felt like I didn't want to add anything else. Mm-hmm. Not you know well knowing my mom is the strongest black woman that I know. <laughs> Superwoman. I feel, I feel like all moms are like, yeah. especially all black moms. No offense to other moms, but all black moms are yeah. like, yeah, I got this. They got everything. <laughs> if y'all knew half the stuff that my mom has gone through from her childhood to now, my gosh, it's like you would see my mom and be like, how the fuck did you survive all that? But, like, for some reason, I thought that my little old pains and little old, you know, aches was going to be the one that had tipped my mother over the edge. So I was like, no, nah, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to just go through it, and, you know, and I was going through it the wrong way. I was smoking, drinking, I was filling school. Literally, I wake up, buy a six-pack, drink that six-pack. Midday, buy another one, drink that one, and then... Probably by the end of the night, me and my friends, and well, not me and my friends, it was me and my boy, we probably would have gone through a good 40-something beers and maybe got a bottle of something throughout the week and, and drank that. And then just smoking all day, drinking smoke, trying to figure out life. But moving around aimlessly, not really stepping towards anything. 
fill, uh, and through all that, of course, it was the depression and realizing, you know, my dad wasn't there no more, and, and seeing myself go spiraling out and just wilding out and doing stuff I probably shouldn't have been doing, you know. I, I kind of made a conscious choice to leave school uh, where I was at Morgan State. I made a conscious choice. I said, I'm going to come home. And actually, no, I started off first. I actually started off by moving out to Baltimore initially. I moved out to Baltimore. I said, I want to I wanna move away from my house and, and step out and do my own thing. You know, and I was sleeping on my boy's couch for about six months to a year, something like that. Trying to figure it out. Got me a job. I was working at Best Buy. <laughs> Shout out to Terrence, you know, because he definitely was, was has always been there for me. That's, that's one of my boys. That's, that's, that's one of my brothers. But, um, there's a little violence. Try to do the whole, you know, uh, I don't want to say adulting, but trying to be a man when I really didn't have to be. And I stepped out at the wrong time. I was just uh, still getting caught up in doing all the stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Just because, you know, I wasn't in the right, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. So, I say about a year and a half later, or whatever, uh, probably mid-2013, decided to leave Morgan because I, I realized I wasn't there for the right reasons. I was there because I felt like I had to be, but not because I actually wanted to be. Like, I wasn't studying anything that I really wanted to study. I was just in school because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. Left Morgan, went home. I actually went on a hiatus and meditated. And that's when, if you're sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Um... Uh, but I remember when we talked about like getting to know each other or when we were getting in the process of getting to know each other, um, you talked about how like you, you went on a hiatus and you like disappeared from, was it social media or? Uh, I disappeared from everything. Disappeared from everything. Uh, I, I, I didn't talk to my friends. I didn't, I deleted Facebook, deleted Instagram, deleted Twitter. I literally shut everything down. I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting in contact with nobody. I'm going to find me a job at home. I worked me a nice little quiet job. And I literally went home, went, to, went from home to work, from work back home. And I did that for about four, was about four to six, months. it wasn't a half year. I think it was about four months. It was about four months, I think it was. I can't remember. It, it, was, a, it was quite a long time that I went without, like, like without uh, the only people I really talked to were my with my my mom. It was just my mom and occasionally my brothers whenever they would come over, but it was my mom. It was, it was me and her, and that's when I kind of like opened up to her. I was telling everything that I was I was going through. Uh, I actually got a therapist. Actually, yeah, I got a therapist, but I only only did therapy for about a month, if that, because honestly, I. I thought I actually spoke out all of my problems to where I, I didn't see a reason to continue going because I feel like I'd already spoke my piece. And I realized that I didn't really need to speak to a therapist. I just realized I just need to talk to the people that were a part of my life. Or just talk in general. Yeah. Like put it out and to get it. Yeah. 
get it from just being contained in your body to somebody is going to hear what I'm saying, whether it's like a therapist, whether it's my mom, whether it's my brothers, but like yeah. pushing it out of you. Yeah, and I think I think that time frame made me and my mom closer than ever. Um, for those who know me, my mom is one of my best friends and one of my worst enemies at the same time. <laughs> But she is definitely one of my best friends. I, mean, I literally sit there, I can, like to this day, I can sit there and talk to my mom literally about anything. Anything in the world. And she does not judge. She don't care. She's like, all right, whatever. You did it. It's over. I did it too. You ain't the first person to do it. Get over it. So. What about you? What about you? I, well, I, I told you about my, my rough couple of years and what I went through. <laughs> boy oh boy um my the way I processed or handled everything after my mom passed eh, I don't I think it's still going uh, I think it's one of those things where it's a never ending process it's a never ending process I just figure out how to adjust to whatever I'm going through in that moment and just piggybacking off of what you said about you know like your mom being your best friend and stuff um like, I, I admire that. I admire, like, seeing mother and son relationships or mother and daughter relationships because it's something that, unfortunately, I didn't, I did not get to experience growing up. Like, after nine, like, nine was the cutoff date. And after that, it was like, oh, no mom. But I get to see everybody else and their moms. And for me... It kind of played into a like, well, damn, like my best friend has her mom and you see families that don't have dads because dads can sometimes be deadbeats. Dads um, can sometimes just not be present or like that shot ain't mine. Like you, it's, it's more common for you to see a dad that's not present in a household than it is to see a mom not present. And so growing up, all of my friends had their moms and... Except for one, and it wasn't even a it wasn't even a friend. Um, she was actually a classmate, and I'm going back here for a second. Um, because when my mom passed away, I decided that I wanted to go live with my dad, and I'll go into like that situation on another like if I ever muster up the courage to go through that kind of talk. But I, I decided to move with my dad. He lived in Maryland, and so my aunt Cheryl and my dad shared joint custody with for of of me. So on the weekends, I was with Aunt Cheryl, my mom's side of the family. The weekdays, um, or when it wasn't holiday season, I was with my dad. And I remember being in like the fifth or the sixth grade, and I had this classmate, and her mom, um, I think her mom was sick. And I just remember how she used to always just like complain about you know, I wish my mom would leave me alone. And like, what at that at that age, what kind of issues do we really have with our mothers at that age? Like, we, we don't hit the puberty stage yet, so you're not like arguing, bickering, going back and forth, slamming doors. You're not really butting heads at that age, unless your personalities are just like completely off. Um, and so I remember her complaining, and this was probably six months to a year after my mom had passed, and. I remember I just looked at her and I just wanted to like shake her, like shut up. Like you don't have the right to talk because you have your mom. 
Like, that's what was going through my head at the moment. Like, you complain to me, and of course, I'm not out here telling everybody, oh, my mom died, feel bad for me. Like, no, it was one of those things where if it came up or if I was getting to know a new friend, I'd bring that up. But like to my regular classmates, I wasn't just throwing that out. And so to have this girl, same age as me, like be be so like at my at that time it sent, it seemed like hate but be like so like evil towards her mom and I'm like yo you have the opportunity to be able to spend time with her whether you like her or not I don't have the opportunity anymore and to experience that it was just like it's not fair that somebody does not appreciate their mom and still gets to have them because it was like one of those, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't really miss something until it's gone. And mind you, I love my mom, like to the, to the earth, what, to the moon and back. I love my mom. But again, at nine, I was a kid. So I wasn't like too focused on like, oh, mom's dying. Let me keep living my, like I was just doing my thing as a nine year old. But when she was gone, it hit. Like once it really set in that you know, Kara has a mom and Michelle has a mom and Talia has a mom. And these are all my friends from like elementary school. Um, well, Michelle, middle school. Um, but when it, it set in that all of my friends have moms and yet I'm sitting here like, I have a stepmom. That's not my mom though. Like I had that kind of mentality as well at that time, which I don't think I've ever really, really shared with anybody. But it's like, I have a stepmom. Cool. I have aunts. Cool. I have mother-like figures, but I do not have the very woman that brought me into this world, that gave me life. I don't have that woman. And in elementary school, it wasn't too bad. Um, I was actually horrible. <laughs> I think I shared this with you, where I was a... Uh, I hate that I did this. Um, but I used, I used I was a chatterbox. I used to get in trouble in school, not because I was like misbehaving or not doing my work. It's because I just couldn't stop talking. The teacher, the teacher would be teaching and I'd be sitting at the table running my mouth. And so one day she was like, well, I'm going to call your dad. And I knew that if she called my dad, that meant consequences. But what did I do? I decided to burst out into tears and to kind of like distract her from calling my dad. And I was like, yo, it's like, I miss my mom. And I was like crying. And I still beat myself up to this day because it was one of those things where I knew that I could manipulate her if I turned that on. Cause I knew that was something where people would be like, oh, like, yeah. I was just trying to avoid trouble. Kids, don't do this if you're listening or I don't recommend that anybody do that. That was, that's probably like the worst thing that I've done to myself because I was showing a side of myself that I didn't like. I never told my teacher that I did that because of that, but after that I felt like crap. Um, and again, I kind of chalked that up to being a kid, but I also kind of knew better as well. But anyway, um, middle school, it got tougher because I was going through things like starting my period. I was going through things where I was starting to like boys. I was going to think through things where I had questions about things. Um, I was going through things in my home life where my dad wasn't the same dad that I knew when I was younger. And 
partially, kind of like your dad, was because he decided to um, drink a lot and smoke cigarettes. And the drinking part actually played really a heavy role in the way I felt growing up because it was like, dang, if my mom were alive, I would not have to be in this situation. Like, I could still be coming over here on weekends. I don't have to, I wouldn't have to, like, live here. And at the time, I didn't have to live there. It was a choice that I made. And because it was, like, that way in the court system, um, I was there. And again, I'll get back into that later. But in middle school, it was tough. In middle school, I think that's when I first started to experience depression. And I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that there were some periods where I was just, like, sad. It was, like, sad to the point where it wasn't, like, just the normal sad. Like, oh, you can't go to the movie sad. Or, oh, you have to stay in because it's a school night sad. Or, oh, we don't have money. Like, it, was yeah. like a, it was, like, a sad where it was, like, wow, something is hurting. And I didn't know how to express it then. I didn't even know what to, how to react to it. So I would just be sad, and then I'd come out of it. Um, in high school, it got worse. And I think... My family could tell because my aunt decided to then take me to a therapist. And now, in my adult mind now, I'm thinking, wow, I wish somebody would have taken to me th- make it, taken me to a therapist when I was younger to at least try to start to vocalize how I felt. Because, again, I went from having a mom to it seemed like the next day not having her. And when I was a kid... It didn't really affect me. Like, kids said things like, oh, you know, that's Brittany. She doesn't have a mom. Sure, that happened every now and then. But it wasn't until it started to affect, it, to affect me internally where it was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't have a mom. I'm in high school. I'm trying to figure things out. I feel alone. Like, you know, the, the normal teenager yeah. things that, you know, you, you go through as a kid or a teenager. And it got to the point where it was like, I think I need to talk to somebody, but I don't know how to vocalize that, nor am I going to vocalize that. So my mom was like, hey, you want to try, you want to give therapy a try? We went to a family friend's, family friend who happened to be a therapist. It was in her house. She had cats. I wasn't a fan of cats. She baked cookies. There was cat hair in the cookies. She tried to talk to me. This woman was like, in my mind, she was like 90 million years old. There's an older white lady. It's like, so, how do you feel? And in my mind, I'm just looking around like, there are cats everywhere. And you're trying to feed me a cookie that has hair in it. I do not want to talk to you. Like, that was literally my thought process at the time. When we left, I mean, I, I sat there and I talked to her. I don't think we ever got really, like, deep into anything because it was our first time meeting. And I was yeah. like, yo, I don't know you. You don't know me. So, we should go sit on these, this side of the couch and just kind of stare at each other. Um, and my, my aunt didn't push me to go back to therapy or didn't try to find another therapist that I could go to. And I think, and I think that's kind of like where I wish my family had done more to take me to see somebody that I could talk to that knew the right questions to ask to see how I was doing. Um, because when I got to college, Boy, oh boy, when I got to college, it was like shit hit the fan. You would have thought that my mom died. The next day, I was driven down to Atlanta to go to Clark Atlanta. And then I had to deal with like my mom recently passing in that moment. That's what it felt like in that moment. It felt like 
I kept seeing all of the moms or the parents who were dropping their kids off at college and like, yeah, I have my aunts. Like anybody that knows me, they call my aunts their aunt. Like, no, I've never heard anybody refer to Aunt Cheryl as Miss Cheryl. Like it's, I say this is my Aunt Cheryl. So my friends call her Aunt Cheryl. You call her Aunt Cheryl. Like everybody's like Aunt Cheryl, my uncles and everything. And so I had all my aunts with me. Um, they helped me get situated. They provided everything that I needed for me to go to school. Like I never lacked for anything. And so it wasn't the, it wasn't the like roof over my head, the clothes on my back, food on the table type of lack. It was like that I needed that. And like they had that motherly love, but love from the actual mother. It, yeah, it was kind of hard for me to translate that into, like, love for me. It was like, oh, love for my aunt, not love from, like, my mom. And so when I saw people get dropped off at school by their moms, I wasn't really phased in the beginning, but it was when moms that lived in the area or moms that flew down for the weekend to see their kid, and they'd come pick them up and take them off campus and give them, like, real food because, you know, we were eating ramen noodles. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I went through I a heavy, those days. heavy ramen noodle phase. Ooh, um, peanut butter on a spoon. <laughs> I don't like peanut butter. But yeah, if I did, I'd probably eat in that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I saw the way parents would, like, check up on their kids and and for some reason that affected me in such a way that I couldn't focus on, I couldn't focus on school. I couldn't focus on like really even, I went out with my friends and I was present because I was like, oh, this is fun. This is getting my mind off of everything. But as soon as I went back to my dorm, I'm like, yo, I'm back in this world all alone. Like everything, everything from, I probably say from like the age 19 up until like maybe my mid twenties, early mid twenties. I felt like, yo, I am alone in this world. Like, I have my family, but I am missing that one vital person that was supposed to teach me about how to react to boys letting you down or what to do when you know when a relationship isn't healthy for you. Like, I didn't, I wasn't getting those from the person that I felt that it should come from. And because I wasn't in therapy, I wasn't vocalizing that either. Um, and so my twenties was rough. Uh, I went through depression. I ultimately failed out of the first year and a half, probably the first two years of my, my college education. It's okay. I have more. (laughs) Um, I was, I was failing. I was failing myself. I was failing at school. I was failing at living up to everybody's potential for me like everybody's expectations yeah I was just I was at a a low place and there was a time where I stopped contacting my family there was a time where I was with my friends but I was not mentally present I was just there and it wasn't until I came home because I had no choice but to come home like for good um, it wasn't until I started working as a nanny where I had enough money where I was like, I'm going to put myself in therapy because at the time there were other things going on that I felt like I need to talk about this or it could be detrimental. And I'm not talking about like 
killing myself or anything like that. But I felt like I had reached rock bottom and there was nowhere else to go. Like, here's everybody else up high here. And here's me rock bottom wandering around by myself trying to figure out where the solution is or where to go up from here. And so thankfully, I, I put myself in therapy I looked on ZocDoc. I found a, a therapist that looked like she might be a great fit for me. And she was at the time. She was just too expensive. But I, I just couldn't realistically afford to keep going as often as I did. Um, but I talked about those feelings of like being alone. And even in, at that time, I put myself in therapy because I felt like even though I lived with my family and they've always looked out for me and they've always, you know cared about my interests and made sure that I had what I what I needed but then also what I wanted I still felt like I when it came to the word like immediate family I felt like I didn't have any because like when you think immediate family it's your mom your dad your brothers your sisters or your husband and your wife or whoever is like in your household like that close-knit there and I felt like I had my family and they were immediate family. And then here I was on the outside. And so going through those thoughts of like feeling alone was tough. Um, so I say all that to say like the whole grieving process, the whole like after effect. I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure when it ends or if it ends or if it gets easier I don't know if it's something that gets easier or it's just easier to deal with. Easier to know that like, oh, this is happening in this moment. I know I'm going to get through it, but right now it hurts like hell. And I think about things like that because I think about like, what am I going to do when it comes to actually having a child of my own? Like when my cousin gave birth to both of my little cousins, I was in the room or my two youngest cousins, I was in the room and... One of those times, her mom was, like, right by her side, like, holding her hand. She was yelling at her, like, telling her not to, not yelling at her, but telling her, like, to hush up all that noise. But she was also, like, right there. Like, when it comes to the, the time where I have to push out, you know, give birth to another human or give birth to life, I feel like I'm going to miss out on having that opportunity to have my mom right there because I feel like there's some type of comfort in knowing that she you know, pushed me out and she made it and just having her there for me not to be able to like panic and be like, oh shit, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Or even before like kids, if, if marriage comes first, like having my mom sit front row and center to be like, you know, that's my baby that's getting married. Or when I finally decide to, to go back to school and graduate, like being there front row and center. So it's like, it wasn't necessarily just the negative things. It was also, like, the positive things as well. And so many holidays growing up. I think I've gotten a lot better at at not thinking about her around, like, Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff. But so many holidays when all of my family gathers and I look around and it's like, oh, I have my one huge family and they have their little immediate families. And then there's just me. And I try to steer away from like that sadness that could come because I I try to focus on the moment and knowing that again I could be living away from my family I could have been like 
um, like technically I was an orphan to the like in legal terms, but I could have been like out here like orphan Annie, you know, singing as a hard night life and bouncing around from like foster homes. Like it could have turned out so many different ways, but it didn't. And that's the thing that I'm grateful for. Yeah, man, for me, um, I, I guess I like to see things a little bit differently. Um, I know that I won't like have those moments, but for me, I kind of, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. So I believe that, you know, granted the physical being that was my father isn't currently here. But I know spiritually he's there, like spiritually, like there's literally a part of him in all of us, like in the sense of like my brothers, like my nephews and nieces. I remember being at the funeral, I literally remember crying, looking at the casket, but then I literally looked around me and I was like, yo, I can literally see him in every last one of us. Like I look at my brother, I'm like, just like our dad. Like, I look at myself, I'd be like, nah, I don't like him, but I know. Yes, yes, you I do. I look exactly like my father. And the reason I even say I don't look like him because it's like, I don't want to believe it sometimes. Cause, but but I, I'm pretty much the spinning image of a 20 year old version of my dad. So, like, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm, I see from like this spiritual point, like, saying, like, yo, his being, his presence is, is around me in so many ways. And I know my situation is different from yours because, you know, I have my brothers and I know you're only your only child. Um, so, I like, I, I guess now at this point in life I take everything like this sounds from Santa Fe, but I'm taking every, I take everything with a grain of salt like in a sense of like I take everything for what it is like even to like the, the finer details you know what I mean I'm confused <laughs> can you elaborate alright um do this way I cherish every moment with People, my friend, not my friend. Oh, well, yeah, my friends, my family, my friends, my relationships that I have even more now. Because I understand that it's the possibility that I won't be there. You know what I mean? And I think like through through my experiences going through my dad, I've become even more grateful for those times. And and making memories that I can remember doing things that I can hold on to now than ever before. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I don't even, that's why I'm not stressed about like a lot of little things for the most part. Like, I like, if it's small, I'm just like, all right, whatever, move on. If it's like, that's why the things that I've always, that I hold true to me are things that are like, tangible, you know what I mean? Like, like, well, the, in- the intangible, but yet tangible. Like, like love is something that's intangible, but you know when somebody loves you, or you know when you have your family and, your, and, your, and the people around you that actually love you. That's something that's like, that's something that you can't really place a value on. You know, same thing with like respect and and, and honesty. Like within all of my relationships, I, I view them the same way. Like, like my mom. 
dealing with my brothers, dealing with you, <laughs> dealing with my nephews and nieces. It's like, it's, I see things in, in the light now that I never, I didn't do previous to me being 20. I see things completely different. I let go of like, I let go of, of grudges and stuff like that and I just realized that life is way too short for it. And I think that's where like the, the beauty of it came from. It's just like I don't, I don't hold things against people. So I realized, you know, it's too short. You just gotta, you gotta love who you're gonna love on and you gotta be there for people that I wanna be there for you. You just gotta, you just gotta live and enjoy, you know, and know that you know, your loved ones aren't there for you. Like I feel like my dad is still here for me. I see him periodically in my dreams all the time now. It's just like, all right, what's up? But I mean, the first time I had a weird dream, I had a weird dream. The first time I had a dream, then he came to me in a dream. I, I broke out crying. After that, it was like when he would come, it was like, hey, what's up, pops? It's like I'm good. What did he, what he say to you in the dream? Or what happened in your dream? I think he came. He opened up the... It was actually in my house. He... Well, my mom's house, but... He opened up the front door. He came through the front door. He gave me a hug. And he gave my mom a hug. But he gave my mom a hug first, and then he came and gave me a hug. And I could actually physically feel the hug. I think that's why... I cry because much so I can physically feel it. Like, you know when somebody's hugging you or somebody's not hugging you. Mm-hmm. But I can actually physically feel like a presence holding me. And just like it was fine. I had a, a dream. I think I told you about this. Like, yeah. recently, well, last year. I think it was last year or earlier this year. Sometime recent. Where my mom was in my dream. And... I was laying on her lap and she was like singing to me and playing in my hair like things that she used to do when I was a kid but I was my adult self in this dream and I remember waking up and just being like yo like where'd she go because in that moment in that dream it felt like it felt like so surreal that it was like yo I'm glad you came back Let's chat. Like, let me catch you up on the last, like, 10 plus years of my life. And in that moment, it felt like she was literally comforting me. I don't know if I was going through, like, a rough time at the moment. But it felt like it was her way of trying to tell me that everything was going to be okay. Even though she's not, like, physically present. But I love those dreams and I hate those dreams because it's like... They come, they visit, and then they're gone until they come again. And it's, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we're gonna be okay. Like we, we still have those memories to hold on to. We still, we're old enough to be aware of like their tendencies and their voice and the things that they taught us. And um, I guess a question, and we we should wrap up soon because we. You know, you trying to be here all night. Um, but I guess the question that I would segue into, like, what's your, what is your 
number one, like if you had to pick one memory that was your favorite of you and your dad, what would you say? Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I can put a number one on it, man. It's crazy. Uh, from the time that we went to the zoo to the time that we went to Florida to, oh my goodness. Can you tell us about the your, was it your Disney experience? Uh, uh, I don't think that's the best one. I can't, I can tell y'all about that, but Disney was, yo, this man was so hyped to go to Disney. Oh my gosh, this man, we were on vacation, on vacation, and this man woke us up at 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> he was like, go downstairs and get that free breakfast, because I ain't buying y'all no breakfast. But I tell you, this man, literally, we would go to sleep at 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Yeah, you're but on vacation. But at 6 a.m., we were getting out of bed to go downstairs. I think we were sending it to Hampton Inn, something like that. To go downstairs and get that free continental breakfast. That breakfast was was wild medium. It was it was it was it was an extra extra medium breakfast. It wasn't popping. It was just basic. It was enough to get you fueled Listen, through the day. <laughs> he was not playing no games. He woke us up at six every day, and then it would be hot, and we had to spend from six. From, not from six. I, I'll say realistically speaking, from about ten to about nine thirty at the different amusement parks. Disney, it's Disney World, right? Mm, Disney World in Florida. Yes. Yeah. So we went to all the different parks. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. It was fun. But when I tell you it was a hundred and ten degrees every single day, I was light skinned <laughs> before I went to Florida. All right. I mean, I was caramel. Like I was, I was like Will Smith's complexion. And I went to Florida <laughs> after spending twelve-hour days at an amusement park. I came back crispy. I came back a little dark. All right, and it's it just all stuck with thanks you. to my to my daddy. I love you, daddy. Thank you for that. Thank you for making me a dark-skinned man. You know, it's your fault though. Um, I mean, it's nothing wrong with a little chocolate. Ow. Okay. It was that, and then, you know, the whole zoo experience. It was me, him, and my brother. And I promise you, I never went to the zoo faster. I've never been to the zoo so fast. And seen everything. But at the same time, seen nothing. He was like, literally... It was to the point that we would we would see an animal that we wanted to see. We didn't get to stop. We had to take a mental photo <laughs> as we walked past it because we had some other stuff we had to go do. So we literally got in and out of the zoo in a matter of 15 minutes. I promise you. If you've been in the Washington Zoo, <laughs> you will know that that zoo it's is huge. pretty big. It's huge. It has all those steep hills. It's hot. We made it from the front of that zoo to the back back out to the other side and up in no more than 15, 20 minutes. And, he, and, and this man had the nerve to ask us when we got back in the car. This, this is what he asked us, right? Mind you, like we, we saw animals we wanted to see. We didn't even get to stop to read about it. We didn't even talk about it. We just saw it and we kept going. 
And it wasn't like we didn't slow down. It's like if you blinked, you might have missed that yeah, animal. If you, if you blink, you miss the animal. <laughs> this man had the nerve to ask us in the car when we was on our way home. He said, did y'all have fun in there? <laughs> he was like, he was like, bruh, we ain't seen nothing. <laughs> but me and my brother, we just, like, we just enjoyed the fact that we got to spend a day with our dad. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Man, we ain't seen nothing. I don't. I ain't seen one animal. Like we saw, you know how you have to like wait for the animals to come out sometimes. They ain't come out. Y'all just missed them. We just missed it. Yeah. We saw cages. <laughs> I saw a bunch of different cages. That was it, man. What about you? What was your? Uh, I have two as well. Um, so my first one was. I think we were in Ames. Was Ames the store? Ames was the store. Ames was definitely. It was store. either Ames or Kmart. It was one of like um, the stores like that, and we were walking through. I don't remember what we were shopping for, but I came across this pink Rugrats, uh, this pink Rugrats suitcase. It was like this pink like plastic or vinyl. I don't know. It was something that was like really really cheap. Yeah. Um, but. I asked my mom if I could have it, and she was like, no. Like, And I don't know if it was a thing where, no, I didn't need it, or no, I couldn't afford it. I didn't I didn't care about any of that at that time, because I was a kid, and again, I was spoiled rotten. So she was like, no. So what I decided to do was put myself in that suitcase, <laughs> and I basically was determined. I was like, I am leaving, because it was like, you know, the suitcase where it just, it's a kid's suitcase, so there's no extra compartments. You just unzip it. That's it. That's it. That's what you got. So I put myself in the suitcase. I, my job was tiny because I didn't like to eat at all. Yeah. Um, definitely didn't eat for like three days because of ramen noodles, but that's a different story for another day. But um, I put myself in the suitcase, and somehow I had convinced her that I needed that suitcase, and she rolled me out of the store in that suitcase. That's amazing. She paid for it, but yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um. Another memory of mine was uh, my birthday. Uh, I can't. I want to say it was my eighth. It was my seventh or eighth birthday. It was whenever Hercules came out. It came out in the theaters, um, and that was my first time that I can recall where I actually went to a movie theater to see a movie um, and sat through through like sat through it. Um, and my mom took me to the movies. It was just me and her. And we actually, like, just watched Hercules. And it's my favorite movie. And I think it's my favorite movie, one, because it's an amazing movie. It's like Hercules. Um, But two, because I got to enjoy that moment where it was just her and I. And I got all of the, like, the memorabilia from, like, McDonald's. You remember when McDonald's used to have, like, the cool plates and cups and stuff that goes along with Yes. I got all of those. Every time we went to McDonald's, I would collect a new plate or a new cup. Um, and I got all those things. And I got to enjoy just like... Like, we lived in a house with all of my family. So it was rare that we had a moment where it was just us. Because she also worked. Yeah. Um, and I would say if I added another memory, um, me and my mother shared a bed my whole life for that first nine well my first nine years of my life like up until she passed away so in a way it was like annoying sometimes because I had to go to bed and I know that she would always find me not sleeping because she would hop in the bed with me 
but the days where she worked late and somebody had to watch me or the days where I was like scared or the days where I just wanted to cuddle like my mom was literally laying right next to me so that was like that was a big that was a big thing for me was that I, I I love to cuddle but it was a big thing having her close to me at least maybe not while I was at school or while she was at work, but at night I knew that when I laid my head down, she would she be right there. next to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess the last thing, um, do you have any advice for, or any like words of encouragement or anything that you could share with somebody that is in the process of losing a parent or a loved one or in the process of mourning their loved one? The only thing I can honestly say is enjoy your life. Like, I mean that in all facets and all ways. Enjoy your life. Love on the people that are there for you and that are there with you. Like, love on your loved ones. Create experiences with your loved ones. Create experiences for yourself. Like, get to know yourself as a person. And enjoy your life in its entirety with you, your family, and with yourself. Because that's so important. Creating experiences, growing together. Just, yeah. Living, living for those moments with the people that you would never forget, literally. Like, I don't know. There's nothing like family for me. But, yeah, that's just me. What about you? Um, probably say just don't take anything for granted. Um, because just as quickly as God could bless you with somebody, something or, you know, whoever you believe in, just as quick as you could have that thing placed into your life, in the blink of a lot, an eye, it could be taken away as well. So just don't take anything for granted. Make sure to tell the ones that you love that you love them while they're there. They're still here. Um, the saying is, you know, while they're able to like still get the roses, like don't wait until you have time. If you know that you're not making time, like do it while you can. Because once they're gonna, once they're gone, you're gonna wish you had that opportunity to go back and chat yeah, with yeah. them, or hug them, or go out to eat with them, or just pause from your busy day of working and running for five minutes to say, "I see you, I love you, I'm here for you because you're here for me." Like, I just want you to know that if anything happens, you know, to either of us, that I've taken the time off to say that. I, I love you and that I don't take anything, I don't take you being in my life for granted because a lot of the times people wait until they're on like their deathbeds and words have gone unsaid for many years or many moons and it's like why wait, seize that opportunity because again, car accidents happen, like things yeah. happen where people f- fall ill and at that point, it's too late, and you don't want to live with that kind of 
shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't. You gotta cherish your moons, people. Yes. Cherish your moons. Yes. Well. Alrighty. <laughs> that was, I don't, I think we might have is, to. Maybe this is broken up into two. I'm not really sure. No, um, it's just one. One long podcast. One, yeah, this is a good hour of you know rawness. That's all you need. You need that raw. Yeah. You need um, that raw, uncut, unfiltered content. <laughs> we are here. Um, Talking about the hard stuff. There's one thing that I'll talk about, but we'll do that another day. Um, but one thing I did want to do, want to do, to uh, want to do is touch base on like, I know we talked about like losing our parents at different ages, but how it affects us differently with me being a woman and losing my mom, or you being a man and losing your dad. So that's something we can dive into, you know, later. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say we definitely already set the present that this was ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're gone. We we about to be listen. out. About to be out. It's three o'clock in the morning. Part two it's coming soon. Booty call hours. You know. No. no just. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't have you know. Booties to call. Yeah, I don't have booties to call. I'm you know, I'm, I'm with you. So. Oh. Yeah. Well. It's um, all day every day though. Huh? So that's all day, every day, though. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. I guess I'll go ahead and end it with, um, if you liked what you hear, um, you can reach out to... Come on, man. What you doing? You didn't have to touch it. It wasn't affecting Why microphone. are you putting it on the microphone? I wasn't putting it on the microphone. Oh, my You messing gosh. stuff up. That was you. Oh. <laughs> go send time out. You go send um, time out. You hit me. I ain't you. So anyway, if you if you like what you heard or if you want to hear more from me or my 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 other half, um, find me on social media. Again, it is at Miss B Monet, and that's going to be across all platforms. So um, just spell it out. It's M I S S B M O N E T. And did you want to throw your handle out there? You know you're pretty low key. Um, yeah, I'm not one for the grams, but if you're going to look me up, it's, uh, Darren underscore underscore R. D-A-R-R-I-N underscore underscore R. Arg. Yes. <laughs> All right. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, um, peace. Peace out. <laughs>